This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 12. Hi, welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max, and I'm Brett Hurst. And I'm Kelly Hurst. Yes, you are. We are both marriage educators. We're also co-founders of Home Encouragement, and we do this podcast, which is designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. We have a simple focus. We want to encourage you in your marriage relationship because we believe that healthy marriage should be a front-burner conversation and... That's why we're here. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about a marriage of grace. Ah. (laughs) Marriage of grace. A marriage of grace. It does sound very inviting and winsome and peaceful, doesn't it? But a lot of couples would really give anything to have a little grace in their marriage. In fact, when we sit down with couples who are in crisis, um, We'll typically ask them, you know, what do you want to see happen? And mm. so many times they'll just say, we just want some peace. Yep. You know, we just want to not not have so much toxicity, you know, between us. And I think every married couple craves that. We hear that a lot. Yeah, we just want a little peace. We want to be able to practice grace with each other. And I think everybody wants that. And And sadly, not everyone knows how to create it. And so... But we really think a marriage of grace is just that. It's created. You know, it just it doesn't just happen just because you marry a great person. Um, you've got to build it. It doesn't just happen to nice people, you know, or people who come from good stock. I mean, a marriage where grace is in place definitely needs Christ at the center. You well, know, because we're, he's the, the author of, of peace. Grace. That's right. Um, and so we're convinced that trying to live a Christ-like life without Christ at the center of your life is a frustrating waste of time. Mm-hmm. But scripture is really full of little specific commands that teach us how to do relationships better. And sometimes I think when we're going through the Bible, we miss some of these little mm-hmm. nuggets of um, how to be a better spouse. You know, And that's the thing is most of it is not based on if your spouse is doing the right, right. thing. <laughs> most of the commands that we see in scripture are you do this and, you know, it you know it might as well come with the qualification even if your spouse doesn't do his or her part. Well, it's just like the whole uh, idea of looking for your soulmate and who's going to make me the happiest and that whole mindset and that whole focus. Uh, we like the flip side of that is spend more time if you're not married yet trying to become the type of person that somebody would want to be married to. Right. Because so. Learn to be a good spouse yourself and instead of worrying about how good a job your spouse is doing. Well, and back to what we were saying about grace and Christ being the, the root of grace, that's the real big picture key is without abiding in Him, you know, you're, you're going to be kind of spinning your wheels a little bit. But there are some practical things mm-hmm. that we can uh, pursue. 1 Corinthians 13, 5, Paul says, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, uh, I'm talking about love here, it's not easily angered, 
love keeps no record of wrongs. Jerry Seinfeld says, when it comes to marriage, don't be such a good accountant, you know. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, A lot of people fall into the trap that marriage is a 50-50 relationship, you know. Mm I think it was your mom that said it's 100-100. Yeah, I remember her telling me that when I was young. You know, marriage isn't 50-50, it's 100-100. And I was just thinking, like, what math teacher did you have? I cannot follow (laughs) this reasoning at all. Well, and it's because the 50-50 mindset creates this danger of living in this idea that, well, you can't help keeping score at Mm -hmm. some point, you know. And the truth is there are a lot of times when you have to give a whole lot more than 50% because your spouse maybe isn't able for mm-hmm. all kinds of reasons to do his or her part. You know, there's there's going to be some seasons in marriage where your spouse isn't going to be able to bring a lot to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to throw that 50-50 stuff out the window and just operate 100-100 or 150-150, however you want to put it. Yeah, uh, throw the score sheet out for yeah, sure. chunk it. Well, what about um, 1 Corinthians 13.7? That's a great verse because it says, Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. And this is my favorite part of that verse. It's ever ready to believe the best in every person. Say that again. It is ever ready to believe the best in every person. Sadly, I think sometimes we give um, more of an assumption of goodwill to other people than we do our spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- that old saying that you, you know, uh, treat the ones you love the worst. Sometimes that is true. I, I hate that, but sometimes it really is true because we can. Yeah. You know, we come home They're and we kind of dump on them. They're nearby. You know? Exactly. But one of the things I like um, to think about in terms of that believing the best in every person is um, Kelly Simpson, who's a marriage educator up in the mm-hmm. Dallas area, came up with a great curriculum. And one of the the things that she found in doing her research was that um, most people, if they think about all the wrongs that were done to them, you know, if they literally just filled a, a room with in everyone. In their whole life? Yeah, mean, in their whole life. Yeah. You know, everyone they've ever had a, a personal relationship with, if they mm-hmm. lined them all up and they thought about all the wrongs that had been done to them. What she would ask a lot of her clients is, if you had to give a percentage to how many times those people hurt you on purpose, mm-hmm. what percentage would you give? And you know, almost without fail, people would say one to two percent of the time. Mm-hmm. And you think about that means that ninety-eight to ninety-nine percent of the time that people were hurting you. It was by accident, they or they didn't realize it. They didn't intend to they hurt you. They didn't intend to hurt you. Right. And so she calls that the assumption of goodwill mm-hmm. rule. And I think when you practice that in your marriage, oh, I mean, it's scriptural. It says it right there in that passage that um, you can we, – we can get caught up when we're hurt by our spouse in thinking – uh, you know, I, he's got it in for me. You know, he mm-hmm. just wants to make my life miserable, blah, blah, blah. But when we turn it around and go, I don't think he's really going out of his way to hurt me. Right. It makes it so much easier. Like you and I, I notice in our language, this has really helped in our conflict is we've changed our language to say, you know, I'll say to you typically, Brett, I know you didn't mean to hurt my feelings when you said this, but when you said this, my feelings were hurt. That's a whole different way of saying to someone that they said something to hurt your feelings. Instead of responding more defensively, yeah, which instead of makes like, me be defensive. I can't believe you said that, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know, just, just putting that um, precursor in front of it to mm-hmm. say, I, I know you didn't mean to do this, but I just wanted to let you know that kind of... Yeah, I like this feelings. assumption of goodwill 
concept. I think it's really easy to lock in your brain, too. I remember telling the kids growing up when they were worried about what somebody might be thinking about them and, you know, how often I would tell them, trust me, they're they're so busy thinking about themselves mm-hmm. that they're not... They're not thinking about you at all. <laughs> they're not giving any thought to how intentional they're out to hurt you or that kind of thing. They're, right. they're, they're too busy thinking about their own life. Yeah, I think that's true. So that that is good. Also, uh, Colossians 3.12, which says, uh, Paul tells us to be even-tempered, to be content with second place or third place or uh, quick to forgive an offense. If most of us are, are really honest, we have to admit that if we're quick at anything in our marriage relationships, it's typically that we're quick to accuse, mm-hmm. you know, and to shift the blame. What would marriages be like if they just operated out of this phrase of being quick to forgive an offense? In other words, what if you just trained your mind? I'm going to be quick to forgive, quick mm-hmm. to forgive. Not not necessarily quick to forgive without any discussion or right, unpacking right. or And process. it doesn't mean sweeping something under the rug. Exactly. That's not what we're talking yeah. about. But having the heart attitude to where, you know, I want to forgive you. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, so let's talk about this uh, in detail so that I can get to that place where I'm able to forgive you mm-hmm. and just being proactive about that. Yeah. That, and I think it's important to talk, too, about – the forgiving is an action-oriented mm-hmm. step. It's just like loving is a decision. Love is a behavior. It's an action word. Right. You know, to forgive is an action, too, because sometimes we don't really feel like forgiving our spouse. But we're not really commanded in Scripture to feel like forgiving. Well, <laughs> you know, we're commanded to be quick to forgive. But, you know, I never really feel like making the bed, and I never <laughs> really feel like doing the dishes, and I really don't feel like cleaning up the dog's poop in the house and (laughs) all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So if you can just adopt this mindset of, okay, you don't feel like forgiving, but at least pursue it and start moving in that direction. It it will take your marriage to a whole new level. That's why we're here. Yes, it will. You're listening to Marriage to the Max. Welcome back to Marriage to the Max. We're continuing our conversation about having a marriage of grace. And before the break, we laid out three scripture verses that give us a specific look at what it means to bring grace to a relationship. So we're going to move on and unpack one more incredibly rich verse, and that's Ephesians 4.29. Um, yeah, and we kind of have this broken down into sections because this is such a rich verse when it comes to relationships. The first thing that verse says is, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. And, you know, there's a couple of things to ask about this. I've blown this deal. This part, times. we all have. Uh, you know, the first is, what does the word unwholesome mean? I mean, are we just talking about obscenities or, you know, cussing out your spouse? Or are we talking about a way of speaking? Yeah, we've never really, in 25 years, cussed each other out that I can remember. 
Although you have called me a jackass many, many times. <laughs> but I say that in love. That's kind of like I'm half joking, half mad at you. So yeah. that really doesn't count, I don't think. Well, it makes me laugh every time. So I just cr- crack <laughs> so up. So see, that means I for sure don't say it in a mean-spirited way. <laughs> well, know that I'm not trying to hack you off so that you'll call me a jackass. But I do enjoy it when you... Well, that's that's the question to ask is what does unwholesome mean? And then the second thing, which is really probably a more important question, is what does unwholesome mean to your spouse? Because you and your spouse may feel differently about ways of speaking. Like I remember when you and I first got married, um, I had to learn that you have a sensitivity to someone raising their voice, even though I'm not typically a yeller. But like if I would be in another room and I was just yelling your name so that you could hear me, mm-hmm. you'd kind of respond with this, what? You know, like I, I was screaming your Probably name. because and... I was always in trouble growing up. <laughs> and so I had to kind of learn that you had a sensitivity to that. And so I didn't have to take that personally if you got upset when I was yelling your name. I'm just very sensitive. You're a very sensitive person. But so we have to ask ourselves, you know, what what might feel unwholesome to me may be totally fine in your economy of words. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't mean it anyway, but maybe to me it feels a little bit hurtful or angry or whatever. And so it goes back to letting that your spouse sort of help you with what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. And because you came from different places and were raised different ways, that can very easily be different. Yeah. And continuing with that verse, but only such a word as is good for edification. And we were joking a minute ago about me being sensitive. More times in our marriage, you've <laughs> called me insensitive, you know, which is probably more accurate. I try not to do that too often. Well, on this part of the verse, we're talking about giving encouragement versus tearing someone down. Mm -hmm. And I don't recall ever in the length of time we've been married wanting to tear you down, but I have been very painfully honest. (laughs) Some of it has been my personality, and particularly in the early years, thinking that it was my obligation to help shape me (laughs) well and my obligation to just speak whatever truth pops in my mind yeah and i think i've helped you with that you have helped me yeah i'm just realizing that not every thought that crosses your brain needs to be uttered i'm not obligated to do that so i just keep my big mouth shut right right well um the other part of that verse in ephesians 4 29 is um, you know, only such a word as good fortification, but according to the need of the moment. Hmm. And this is all about good timing. I mean, good timing is just everything. Proverbs says that a good word at an inopportune moment can be worse than saying nothing at all. Hmm. So sometimes we have something that is constructive that we need to say to our spouse. Mm-hmm. But if you say it in the wrong time, mm-hmm. it's just going to – your your goal is always that your spouse will hear your heart. Mm-hmm. And if you say something at the wrong time and they don't hear you, then you've completely lost your battle there, you mm-hmm. know. For some reason I'm thinking about the Beach Boys song, Good Timing. It has no relevancy to what we're talking about. But... Well, maybe our fab engineer, Zach, can put that in our <laughs> break bed. It's a, a good song. Um, okay. So, so review the, the nuggets that we've learned from Scripture. All right. Well, we talked about throwing the score sheet out. We talked about uh, assumption of goodwill, just banking on the fact that people really aren't out to hurt you or mm-hmm. get you, being quick to forgive, avoiding unwholesome words, not just swearing at each other, but also just words that aren't building each other up, 
It's important to give encouragement. It's also very important to learn the art of good timing. So, you know, if everybody practiced these things, how many homes would be affected? The ripple effect would go on uh, Mm -hmm. forever. How many homes would have peace? You know, just what we talked about at the beginning. I think back to the example of uh, John F. Kennedy's speech uh, in his inaugural address. I was listening to that recently. And just that, that phrase, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Those words inspired an entire generation uh, people who, you know, volunteered for the Peace Corps and showed up to yep. the military. And I mean, it really did kind of change the mindset of a whole generation. And I think, imagine what would happen if we altered that famous line and made it about marriage. Mm. Ask not what your marriage or your spouse can do for you, but what you can do to bring to your spouse and to your marriage. I mean, that's inspiring to mm-hmm. think you have you actually have the power because of Christ in you to change the trajectory of your whole marriage relationship. So true, so true. The promise that results in all of these um, things at the very end of that Ephesian scripture is, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Mm. And I love that because it's a promise. You know, we do these things and it brings grace to the people that we're in relationship with. And I want to be a person who gives grace to other people with my words. So you're saying that... God gives us the ability to be agents of grace That's every exactly. day. exactly. That's a good way of saying it. Through our marriage. Excellent, excellent. Well, if you'd like to contact us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. You can also check out homeencouragement.org, or you can email us at thehearse at homeencouragement.org. And we invite you to follow us as well on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks again to Zach Alkire, our wonderful engineer. And until next time, remember, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all.